Okay, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 again, and we're going to look at this scripture again about the Holy Spirit, which is the first time in the Bible that we have a mention of the Spirit of God in the second verse. We're going to talk about what name means and what that teaches us. Verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And at the creation, the Holy Spirit was there, shown hovering over the face of the waters, which indicates that He was going to be the one who would then begin to bring about what God would create. And that's what we see in the following verses where the Father decided and decreed what would be. The Son then proclaimed it and the Holy Spirit then created it. And that's how each day happened. But let's talk about the name of the Spirit here and what this means. In our translation, it is Holy Spirit. The word Spirit, the Word in Hebrew literally is wind or breath. That's the word that God chose to identify the Holy Spirit with or by. Now that name has taken on a specific connotation of referring to the Holy Spirit. But I think that is informative to us of the word that God chose. And it was just a regular word. It is it, the same word in, in the um, Hebrew. It's the word ruach. In Greek, it's the word pneuma. And those words just mean wind or breath. In John chapter 3, you see you know, Jesus was talking about the Spirit to Nicodemus. And He said, Nicodemus, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that word, born of the Spirit, the Spirit there is the word pneuma. And then in a few verses later, he says, explaining to Nicodemus, he says, well, Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, how, how can this be? I don't understand this. And he said, well, think about the wind. Look at the wind. You can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. But you know it's real, and it blows on the earth, and it does things. And when he was saying that, wind, 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 look at the wind, Nicodemus, it's the same word. He was saying, look at the pneuma. That word meant wind or breath. But God took that word and then applied it specifically to the Spirit and said He is the pneuma, Spirit. I think that teaches us some things. And relating it here to Genesis, the Holy Spirit is presented as hovering over the waters. And I think that has meaning for us because that is very similar to the wind. The wind blows over the face of the earth. The Spirit was said to be hovering over the face of the waters. And just as the wind physically blows over the earth and carries out the operation of, of the earth, in the same way spiritually the Holy Spirit moves over the face of the earth and carries out 
the work of God on the earth in operating life. And you can go one step further. When God made man, look over at chapter 2, verse 7, where we have this detail. When God made Adam, He says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That word breath of life, that's the word for spirit, ruach. And so the Holy Spirit is presented as, as creating life on the earth and operating life on the earth like the wind. And then for life on the earth, what is it that made life begin to operate? It was God took foreign man out of dirt and then he breathed into his nostrils a breath and I believe that is God giving Adam his spirit. And that's the word. Ruach. He breathed into his nostrils the spirit of life. And he became a living being. And what is it that we must do? What is it that is so basic to life? You've got you to inhale and you've got to exhale constantly. If you stop doing that, if you stop breathing... You die. This concept and this activity is basic to life. And this is what God chose to refer to the Holy Spirit. And it is really, it is a part of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives us life. He gave Adam life. And, and I believe the scriptures teach that when we are created, when we were created in our mother's womb, that God uh, Malachi refers to this, that the Holy Spirit creates that life in the womb. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives a spirit and gives life to those cells that come together. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives life on the earth. He is the breath of life, like the wind. The wind is so essential for the environment. It blows over the face of the earth to keep the air moving and to bring the rain systems, to bring the water. Air is vital for the operation of life on the earth. And think about this. That is what makes the earth unique and the only environment that can sustain life because what? We have, a, and we have an atmosphere of air around the earth so that we can breathe. No other planet has that. It is connected to life. And the Holy Spirit chose that name, that word, I think, to communicate what He does. He gives life in God's creation. He energizes the inanimate objects to give them life through breath, wind. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what He does. And so, very literally today, we live because we have breath. We're breathing. If we ever stop breathing, then we die. And it is said that God takes away our breath. And He, he orders when that is for everybody. There's a moment of life, a moment of death, when the breath is given, and then when the, life, the breath is taken away. And God is over that. And it is the Holy Spirit taking away 
that breath. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's His role. That's His area. He is in the creation. And that tells me that this guides us in how to think about what the Holy Spirit does is He's, he really, the Father is at the throne. The Son took on flesh and came for a time and then went back. The Holy Spirit's role is to be God's presence here, literally on the earth. We can't see Him, but He is real, just like the wind. I think that's why He chose that name. You can't see the wind. Like Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't see the wind. But it's there. You can't see air, but it's there and it's everywhere. There's never, there's no place on the earth where there's not air. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy, God is everywhere through His Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills everything, fills the whole universe. And He's here on the earth. In the, the presence of God exists here on the earth through the Holy Spirit. But they're all one. They're all one. They're connected. They're not separated. But in their roles, they are. In this best we can describe it, in that the Holy Spirit is working here on the earth, in life, in the operation of the physical universe, in the environment, and in the breath of life in people, and in animals. Animals have a breath. They have a soul, meaning they are, they're breathing, they're functioning, but they don't have a spirit that lives forever. The Holy Spirit's doing all of that. That's His work on the earth. And it's like the wind. And He take, takes that as His name, the wind, the breath. Now, let's talk about then the, the, uh, a grammatical issue that comes out of that. I touched on it before, but in language you have <clears throat> masculine words, you have feminine words, and then you have words that are objects. In, in Greek language, the Bible, the New Testament was written in, it's called neuter. In our English language, we might we would refer to it as neutral. It's similar. It means just an object. It's not male, it's not female, it's just a thing. In our language, we'll, in our pronouns, we'll say he, she, or it. The he is masculine, the she is feminine, and it is the neuter or neutral, the object. And in language, it follows then when you have a masculine noun you, and you use a pronoun, you will use the masculine pronoun. The pronoun always has to match what the noun is. And that's how you translate things. That's how you write things. And that identifies things for us. So when somebody walks inside the door, we say, well, he walked in the door. We don't say she if it's a he. Normal people don't. People that know the truth don't. And the world doesn't know the truth today. And they're trying to change everything up. But, but we understand that's how our language works. We identify proper things. We don't say it walked through the door if it's a person. And in the scriptures, particularly in John, in fact, let's go there now. Uh, since I'm on this, John chapter 14 through 16. We'll start in chapter 14. This comes into play. Uh, look at chapter 14 and verse 16. 
And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now you see all kinds of pronouns there, and they're all masculine. He, him. It does not say it. Now, I just want to give you the facts on this because some can take this and try to confuse the issue because what we have here is the word spirit there in verse 17 is the word pneuma in Greek, which means wind. Wind is a neuter word. It's not a masculine, it's not a feminine because the wind is not masculine or feminine. It's a thing. Literally, we, you know, they we're talking about the wind, we're talking about it, grammatically, at step one. God took that word and chose to use it for all the per reasons why, I, for what I just described, because of what the, it pictures what the wind does, and there's some real parallel of what the wind does and what literally breath is. So God chose that word to, refer, to use to name the, His Spirit, but it's a neuter word in the neuter form and so normally if you translated that you would translate it, it and here's what happens in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16 and this gets kind of deep in the weeds but I'm just telling you what I want to explain it to you because somebody might use this and say no 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 the Holy Spirit's an it because this is what happens here in the scriptures and I want you to be informed the word spirit is neuter. And so following the grammar, when there is a pronoun, like in verse 17, where it says, because it neither sees him nor knows him, referring to spirit, that pronoun there, him, is in the neuter. It's not a masculine. In the Greek. And so someone would look at that and say, okay, I'm supposed to translate that it. And, and that tells me that the Holy Spirit's not a person. He is a person, just he, he is an it, he's an object. And those who teach that false doctrine use this to try to say that. But that doesn't, that's not the final answer to a translation here. And this is what I want to give you the, the further information here. When the word spirit is used in these verses, there are several times where Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, because that's his main topic here in these last words before the cross whenever he speaks of and he uses the word spirit it's pneuma and it's neuter and the pronouns the personal pronouns with it are in the neuter form but back in verse 16 he says i'll give you another helper the word paraclete that word is masculine and so he says i'm gonna give you another and it's another one who comes alongside you and we it's translated comforter or helper that is masculine. And so what you have happen here is whenever, in the personal pronouns, whenever the word helper or comforter appears, the pronouns that follow it are masculine because they're to match it. Whenever spirit is used, it's neuter, and the pronouns that follow it are neuter. So you have both going on. And what basically is happening is just following grammatical rules, which you're supposed to do is that the pronoun is supposed to match the noun. If you remember your English lessons in person, number, you know, all across. They're to match. 
That's what pronouns do. And so the reason why you have neuter pronouns here when it's attached to the Spirit is not because the Holy Spirit's in it. It's because the word that God chose to identify the Spirit with is neuter. And that's why the pronouns are neuter. But they are rightly translated as a personal pronoun. And here's why. And the translators do this consistently. In your Bibles, you'll see every time there'll be a personal pronoun in chapter 14, 15, and 16, it'll be a personal, it'll be a masculine pronoun. And it is right for them to do that. And the, and the reason why is this, is that in language, there are grammar rules and you're to follow those grammar rules most of the time. There are exceptions. There are times when there are exceptions to the rules in grammar. It's true of every language. It's really true in English. And that's why people around the world say English is the hardest language to, to learn. Even though for us it's like, well, natural to me because you grew up speaking it and just it's extincted to you. But we violate the rules of grammar all the time in English because that's just what happens sometimes. And here's a big reason why it happens is you have grammar rules, but a, the context of what's being said in the paragraph and in the conversation can direct you to how you should interpret or translate something differently than the normal rules. And that comes into play a lot of times. You do it instinctively because you grew up hearing it and you don't even think about it. But that's what's going on here. And here's the context. Look over at verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And it says the Spirit will teach you. An object does not teach you. A neuter object doesn't do anything. The wind doesn't teach. Like speaking. And it says in another verse, Jesus says, Luke chapter 16, verse 13 real quick. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all, into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So here the Holy Spirit is hearing and he's speaking and he's teaching you. That's what a person is. That's what a being does. A personal being does that speaks and hears and teaches. An object doesn't do those things. And so the context here overrides the grammar rules, basically is what happens. The context clearly presents the Holy Spirit as a personal being of God because of what He's doing that belongs to the characteristics of a person, personal being, and that is what then determines for the translators that this is not an it, but it's a he. And that's why it's translated that way in our English consistently. Because the Holy Spirit is shown to do what a personal being does. He has personal characteristics and he is not an it. Even though uh, his name occurs in the neuter form, it's only because God chose that type of word because it speaks and I, it parallels what the Holy Spirit does. The wind, the breath. So if somebody comes to you and says, the Holy Spirit's a force and power, He's not a personal being, because in John 14, 16, it's all in the neuter form. It's a it. It should be translated it. Your Bible is wrong because it says He and Him. It should be it. Because that's what it is in the Greek. 
And you'll hear that, and you oh, it's Greek. Oh, and you look it up. Oh, it's Greek. It's neuter form. He's right. No, that's not the whole answer. It is the context overrides that grammar that this is a personal being. Plus, you know uh, that then this additional information is it's just following the context of the, the, the form of the word. And when the, the word comforter is used that's masculine, it is then a masculine pronoun. One other little bit of information too is at times there is a word, an extra word used that takes the form of a pronoun. It's not a regular pronoun and I don't even remember what the actual name of it was. Maybe it was a demonstrative pronoun or something like it. It was like a, another particular kind of extra word that stands alone in Greek, but it's translated either he, she, or it. It emphasizes basically the one who is doing something. And it's a whole separate word. And every time though that is used, even with the neuter form, it's always masculine when it refers to the Holy Spirit. So there's things you can look at there even grammatically that point to that he's a person, but the context is what is the deciding factor uh, of what the Holy Spirit is doing. It shows that he is a personal being, and that's why then all the pronouns are personal pronouns. But I think that's important to understand on this issue because this is the, this is the key thing where the Holy, false teaching occurs about the Holy Spirit is to say he's not a personal being. He's just a force or power of God. That, that is a common teaching. Uh, among some groups, and that's the basic deviation against the Holy Spirit that you will counter. And it's important to understand then these dynamics of the, the wording of the name wind that his name means, and that that is a neuter word because of the nature of it, which is right. But God has taken it then and applied to the Holy Spirit, and it takes on then a different connotation. And it teaches us wonderful things about what the Holy Spirit does. I just think that's neat is to think. And I, let that be on your mind as you go about, you know, walking outside and you, you hear the wind, you see the wind, you feel the wind. Let that make you think of the Holy Spirit because literally it is. He's the one spiritually that is causing the wind, I believe, to blow on the earth. He's not the wind, but he causes the wind as the Spirit and he, he, causes our, he gives us our breath to breathe every second. That's what He is. He is the pneuma, the Spirit of God that gives life here on the earth that's exhibited in the air. And just basically, just think about that truth. God's life. God is life, just like air is life. If you, if you went to the moon and, and tried to live there, you'd die because there's no air there. You just can't live where there's no air. Air is life. If you had a mathematical equation, air equals life. You know, it's basic, so basic. And that's the name the Holy Spirit chose. God is life. You can't live without Him. You try to separate yourself from God, you try to run away from Him, and you are signing your own death warrant. You are cutting off your life just as you cut off your air supply. God is life. The Spirit is life. The Spirit is air. That's why He chose that name to teach us that and to be a picture of that and uh, that's the Holy Spirit and he's near us this is how God is near us again what we looked at two Sundays ago we are our bodies are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God that we're talking about lives in you. That's, that's amazing. And to have God himself living in us. We're not God, but he's living in us, connected to the Holy Spirit. And the, the problem, our problem is we go about our day and, and we may even not even think about God. We don't even think about the Holy Spirit in us. And we're this temple and we're thinking about our own thoughts. We're thinking our own feelings. And that's the flesh against the spirit that the New Testament talks about. And that's the basic battle we fight every day is not walking in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. And he's right there. He's near us, in us. We just need to get in touch with him. We need to think about him. We need to set our minds on him. And a lot of that comes through spending time reading the Bible and praying. Those are activities where you will get in tune with the Holy Spirit. So if you don't spend time reading your Bible and don't spend time praying, then the Holy Spirit won't probably ever come into your thoughts much. We'll be in our flesh. That's the dynamics of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is in us just like our breath is. And we need to walk in the Spirit as we live in the Spirit. All right. Now let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these truths to learn today about the Holy Spirit. We praise you, Spirit. We praise you for your nearness to us and your greatness. You give us life. We would not be here if it weren't for you. We would not be able to continue to live each second if it weren't for you. Fill us with your presence. Help us to think on you and to stay close to you in our minds as we should. And help us to to do what you say and to listen to you and not to our flesh. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.